Nope, we're definitely not just talking about E.T. again. We're talking Flight of the Navigator on today's... We're not... Affiliated with... Netflix. Welcome to KidFlix, the podcast where adults try to definitively rank every kid's movie ever made. I'm your host, Ross Wiseman, and this show is not for kids, so turn this off and make a tasteless joke about getting probed by an alien. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Uh, so uh, that person that you heard laughing, uh, my guest today, he is one of the hosts of the Long Lost Heroes podcast, and he's a musical comedian. It's AJ Sherman. Hey, AJ. Hey, Ross. So happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, it's my pleasure. You told me right before we started this is your first time guesting on a podcast, so this is it a, is it is a hundred percent. This is a dream come true. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm glad. I mean, that's our tagline: Kidflix making dreams come true. Uh, <laughs> well, this is fun because now you don't have like you don't have to do anything. It's my uh, I have to make sure this comes out well. You can just be yourself. Yeah, it's 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 a little bit nice, but it's I'm also trying to be sensitive to your needs. So oh, like, shucks. No, you know, like it. It's fun when you get to be around, you know, do creative stuff with creative people, and it's it's just it makes me happy. So I'm happy to be here, man. Yeah, it's great to have you. I um, yeah, we just started talking a couple weeks ago, and it was just a thing of okay, I guess we're gonna do this now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And second week in a row that I've gotten to do a Skype uh, podcast, so I don't even have to uh, dress nicely or make my bed for anybody. So <laughs> this is great. <laughs> it's always relieving when you're like, oh, I'm not cleaning for like somebody cool, <laughs> you know? Like, let me get all my cool stuff out. Like, we'll get the we'll get the good equipment out. It's gonna be great. Now we're just like hanging and chilling. I have my. Uh, my you know my hang around the house jeans on oh hell on, yeah on i don't have to this. offer anybody lukewarm tap water <laughs> <laughs> the best kind of tap water yeah um so let, let's get right into it so we're talking uh flight of the navigator uh what is, kind of drew you to this movie why did you choose it for today oh my god this movie is so important to me um all right, so this movie was released in 1986. I, my parents had a, a subscription to the Disney Channel and a VCR, which meant that I got to see like all of the you know, movies that were playing on the Disney Channel, which they used to do more often uh, back in the day. Mm-hmm. We had tons of these on VHS. And this came out, and I watched this you know, recorded tape over and over and over again. Um, to me, this is like one of the, you know, kind of formative movies that I got to see. And I've kind of come back to it now that, uh, you know, right before Disney uh, streaming service came out, I joined their DVD club and I saw that they had it on there and I, I came back to it again. And there's just so many fun things about this movie. And, it, and it's fun. It's a kind of a joy to share uh, because it has kind of some fun trivia to it. But it also it, it just it just rocks and rolls for me. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because I um I feel by and large Disney's live action movies are way less known, especially when they're known for like the most successful um uh, kids movies, specifically uh, princess and musical movies of all time. And it's it's wild that I had no idea what this was until uh, you sent it to me. <laughs> oh, that's oh that's so awesome. So. What I think this movie like encapsulates is like a really optimistic uh, vision of the future, and I think that it kind of, uh, for me especially, it was definitely my first like uh, approach at alternate realities and you know time travel and kind of big concepts that I think are uh, really uh, chewed up a little bit and then regurgitated for the children in a beautiful, nice way that allows you to kind of enter into a new realm of sci-fi that, you know, that E.T. doesn't necessarily offer you. Yeah, and... I, I was shocked when I realized that this was a time travel movie as well. I was like, no freaking way. Like, it, it is nine yeah. in the morning. I cannot be dealing with this right now. <laughs> yeah, and you're, and it's, it, it gets, it gets kind of gritty, I think. The, you know, it goes from, you know, this really fun, like, early, uh, you know, late 70s family the short shorts, the Bee Gees, uh, Grease on the radio to, you know, kind of you're in this uh, 80s precinct in South Florida and you're like, oh man, how did we get here? With all of the grit of that early small color TV tube set, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I 
And then to me, all the adults look like the adults I remember from being a kid. Is that weird? <laughs> what, you mean just like generic, like poofy hair? <laughs> yeah, generic poofy hair and the big shirts and the shoulder pads. Like all those things look like people I should respect and fear, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I think this movie is really interesting because it, it also points out how much things can change in a short period of time that like, you know, because we're all living on Earth in a linear path, we don't kind of notice all these things that are happening. But I mean, David time traveling, not even a decade into the future, and music has changed all of these different ideas and lingo has changed. And it's, uh, it's really interesting how that's a, a good portion of the movie is just David having this kind of uh, shell shock to him almost. Oh, absolutely. Like, think about where you were eight years ago. You know what I mean? Mentally and physically and, and you know, kind of, you know, how, how you felt about the world. Think about that being as a, a little kid. Like, uh, to me, like, as an older brother, uh, looking at, like, the younger brother now who is totally older and oh cooler my God. now. You know, handsome. And you're like, oh, man, oh, what are we going to do? <laughs> like, like, you know, that, is a really, that was a real fear to me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it just... To me, like this kid struggled, like I immediately empathized with him and I immediately was was there to see his story and what was going to happen. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I will say it and it, it's interesting how long it takes to get to, um, you know, the actual na- flight of the navigator. Cause, oh, yeah. Because I thought, OK, this is just going to be a movie where he's tested on and then or, or I thought it was just going to be kind of. Uh, at first, I thought this was just going to be a very like weird Disney ripoff of E.T. Because, you know, he's running through the woods, he falls. But sure. then they just add a whole different element to it, which I, I definitely appreciate. I, yeah, I, okay, yes. So one of, the, one of my favorite parts of this uh, movie is that, you know, the, there isn't really an antagonist, right? Like Faraday is like... Um, you know, he's like a, he's, he's not really nice. Like he kind of manipulates David a little bit, but like, ultimately he's not like gonna, like, they're never going to like hurt David. There's no like planned, uh, you know, uh, lobotomy that they're, they talk about in ET, you know, they're just trying to like see what's going on and get to the truth here yeah. and, and find out what's going on. So I, I kind of like that this movie, you know, it kind of is just a, a, a pure adventure. And it, the other part of this movie that I think is really interesting is this movie is, when it was aired in Dis- when it was aired on the Disney Channel, and I remember the blue line stopping on the VHS tape my parents had from when they picked up the different uh, feeds, uh, was that this movie kind of is really a two part film. You know what I mean? It really feels like kind of like two different episodes of a TV show. The first episode you're dealing with all of the fun time travel and all of the fun technology and and the, the 80s and all the differences, the fish out of water aspect, and then mm-hmm. you're hard into this awesome adventure sci-fi romp for 45 minutes and it just kind of feels like really tangible bite-size adventure for a kid and and to me like it's executed so well yeah and uh um and uh uh paul rubens playing uh paul (sighs) or uh playing max um it's really interesting kind of showing uh that both these little uh rejects almost uh can learn from each other <laughs> yeah like david teaches max uh late 70s pop culture <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> yeah max teaches david how to fly a goddamn spaceship it's that simple man uh i it's oh man uh i was a huge peewee fan i don't know how you feel about peewee uh but I'm i neutral. had i i okay peewee's big adventure <laughs> i think is really a, a fun film i love Tim Burton uh, and that kind of whole era of of the two of them working together, mm-hmm. uh, but to see him kind of in this role too, and also know that he was like in the middle of Pee Wee stuff and didn't want this to be any way attributed to Pee Wee, so that's why in the credits he's Paul Ball and, and uncredited, not even as Paul Rubens. And uh, I don't know, I I loved the jokey aspect of Pee Wee. Like to me, like his comedy is still funny. Like the Broadway special to me was still funny. I haven't watched the Netflix thing because I'm a little, I'm a little bit, you know, 
uh, wary of just nostalgia pieces anymore. It was actually pretty fun. So it was, I mean, it was written by Paul Rubens and then uh, Paul Rust from Love co-wrote it. Oh, and really? I remember, I think that might have actually been the first Pee Wee movie I saw. And then I, <laughs> I later watched, uh, obviously, Big Adventure. And they're pretty similar and uh, related to each other. Oh, awesome. I'll go, I'll go so watch So don't worry. Then. Yeah. Okay. Right, right after this, don't spend time <laughs> with your wife. Uh, <laughs> no, she, she'll be fine. Uh, okay. So <laughs> Paul Rubin's like taking on this adventure and then, you know, he's, he's so funny and I love the voice modulation in the beginning. Uh, you know, even back then, you know, they were still doing fun stuff. This is before auto-tune, you know, but mm-hmm. we're, we're still playing with it and making it sound alien and weird. Uh, I love that they he could speak English. Um, I find it hilarious that there are certain concepts that Max doesn't understand. Uh, and doesn't you know, he do keep not... saying compliance? Oh, compliance is great. Yeah, compliance, and and it's a huge, uh, probably you know, nerd catchphrase to people who are fans of the movie. People would be like, "Oh, compliance!" You know, like that would probably <laughs> be like the big catchphrase. Uh, and and uh, who doesn't want to have a spaceship they can fly around in? Like uh, ultimate I'll, wish fulfillment. I I could go without it. <laughs> Real? Oh man! Okay. Like I'll definitely ride it. Like the entire movie when I was watching it, I thought it's crazy that this was never um, a ride of some sort at like a Disney park or even just some cheapo VR experience. But I think basically <laughs> this this is just like Star Tours essentially or something like that. Point taken. Point taken. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, for the super Disney nerds out there, the one of the ships yes. uh, from the movie is in uh, Magic Kingdom. Did you see that online? Yep. The uh, it was their. Uh, I don't think it's running anymore. Their backlot tour that they did at uh, Hollywood Studios. So there was one there, but there was also one that is mounted to the top of like a refreshment Coca Cola stand that was like repainted. Oh. It's like a secret hidden one. Yeah, that's a that's another good one for you. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, you son okay. of a bitch. You you I... tricked me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, not even. Um, I don't know. I love Get the off spaceship my in this. <laughs> Dude, the spaceship in this is the chromy, beautiful CGI of it all. Like yeah. I don't know it, that it, beautiful, way too smooth CGI. I loved it. I dude, I love it, man. I I can't tell you why. Like that 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 looks more real to me because it was mixed and like special with the practical spaceship mm-hmm. than like so many of the other movies we see now. It just has a tangibility to it. I don't know. I I I love this spaceship. This is my like ultimate spaceship. I think. Yeah. Well, it's, they also Do definitely you... took care to have the interior match the uh, exterior when they're just when David's like walking in and out and flying around in it like it, they took care with it also i found the picture of the hidden uh, uh spaceship at disney and that's really freaking cool it's awesome so now <laughs> now i can focus again because i found that <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i didn't mean to th- i didn't mean to throw you off uh, oh no it's all good i'm always distracted uh, it's dude, a quirky okay. problem <laughs> it, it hey but it keeps you focused it keeps you you know on to the next thing of course uh, Dude, Veronica Cartwright Lambert from Alien is in this movie as the mom. Oh, okay. How, that's that's where. How I, awesome is that? Yeah, I couldn't figure out where I knew her from. Um, I also thought that it was a completely different actress when it jumped eight years in the future, but then I realized I just immediately forgot what she looked like. <laughs> right. But uh, but when she's in the seventies, she looks like Lambert. <laughs> like she's yeah. like, oh man. You got to be on the Nostromo, helping Ripley. What's going on down here? Uh, okay, Cliff DeYoung, the guy who plays the dad, he was in that movie Glory. He's also in a ton of like '90s TV sci-fi stuff from Deep Space Nine, Next Generation, and the '86 Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. And also something so, in 1992 called Doctor Giggles. What's Doctor Giggles? Um, Doctor Giggles is a 1992 American slasher film. <laughs> oh. Oh my god, it looks so terrible. I want to watch it so bad. <laughs> did you like Us? I did. Yeah, me too. That was the first time that I've like really seen a horror movie in theaters, and uh, I was proud that I was uh, like okay during it. <laughs> you did good. 
Yeah, I, I treated myself to eating most of a tub of popcorn and Ooh. a cherry Coke. So, uh, oh, perfect. I was safe. <laughs> no, I I feel you. And like, I don't know. It's cool that like the they got kind of sci-fi actors to be in this like little kids movie, you know? Yeah, it, that it's fun. like one of those things where because we, we've talked so many times on the podcast of like, oh, it's a little joke or a little reference for mom and dad. But it's it's a non-distracting reference for mom and dad that like the kids won't be like i recognize that as a joke but i don't understand what's happening Uh, (laughs) yes (laughs) like flies right over their heads yeah uh oh my god uh i also can kind of relate to this kid because i i don't know about you you look like you have like you first of all you still have hair so that's awesome thank you for noticing uh uh, but i had like the most aggressive jufro as a kid (laughs) like just not just you know frizzy and thick and would grow out and to the side instead of up or down yeah oh man Uh, it's like i teach hebrew school and uh the the kids (laughs) for some reason this will always be a hairstyle for uh, like 11 year olds just like (laughs) out and nothing happened to it it's like they wore a baseball cap three days ago and that's where the styling comes from <laughs> yes <laughs> yes and you have the little tuft in the back from the adjustable head strap absolutely yeah uh oh, okay so i love this nasa hat that this kid has i'm gonna cosplay as this kid i think that's probably the next step for me in my uh <laughs> flight of the navigator fandom uh also i love the the 90s like the modern nasa logo mm-hmm. uh you can't really find that stuff anymore. I was actually just at NASA and they don't have, I looked really hard. They don't have anything branded with that anymore. That's wild. I mean, I guess like they want the more modern one, but you would think that they would have like one or two things where it's a, it's like a little throwback. Yeah. I think NASA, the cool, all right. If you haven't been to the Kennedy space center in like a long time. And like my original thought was that they filmed this there. They actually didn't. They filmed this in Miami. Uh, so when I was there, I was like, oh man, look at this. That, that was probably also one of my reinvigorations for this movie, but it's like the new world's fair, uh, sir. And I highly recommend it if you're doing a trip to Disney and like you have the time and the patience to drive the hour out to Cape Canaveral, it is so worth it right now. I remember I went, I went a couple years ago. I want to say 2012 or 2013, my family uh, found ourselves at Cape Canaveral mainly because my dad. We were like, oh, okay, we're doing this fun vacation. We need to do like a sciencey thing for dad. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, what does your dad do? Uh, my dad's a teacher, uh, but oh, okay. he do, he's he's a huge science fiction person. Like he he okay. This is how much of a science fiction person he is. He doesn't abbreviate it to sci-fi. He calls it SF. <laughs> like yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> Um, so we were like, okay, we got to go to Kennedy Space Center, eat in their gross cafeteria and like look at a <laughs> spaceship. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I would definitely want to go back and appreciate it more. Cause I was in high school and I was like, man, I just want to get back on the boat or whatever. Yeah. I just I, like the end of the movie. <laughs> I feel you. Uh, I just, listen, I just went, when you were there, did you walk under the Apollo rocket? Did they show you that? Do you remember? Um, I remember, I really only remember like the big courtyard that just had a bunch of different rockets in like a garden type thing. I, okay. And the hangar, we went through the hangar. Okay. So they have Disneyfied the Kennedy space center. Amazing. In the fact it, it, yes. In the fact that they have added pre-shows they have added really extended queues that are beautiful they everything is air conditioned it's be- it kind of looks like what future world you would want future world and epcot to look like now Ooh. and it's awesome i cannot recommend it enough uh we were actually this is crazy so we were on a uh we were going on a cruise my wife took me on a cruise for my 30th birthday which is fantastic i'd never been on like a real american cruise before the only other cruise i had ever done was when I had gone from Haifa to Athens on a seven-day cruise with, like, 400 Russian and old Israelis, and they just, like, fought each other the whole time on the buffet. So I wanted <laughs> to get the real cruise experience. Anyway, so I went on the cruise, uh, and when we were going out, it was during the government shutdown, and one of the Uber drivers we had was a sequestered NASA QA specialist, quality assurance. Wow. He's worked... 
he was working on the new SLS uh, rocket system, which is very similar and bigger than the old uh, Apollo Saturn V rockets. These are the new rockets that are going to take people to the moon and then Mars. This guy was awesome. Super funny, really nice. Could see I was like a big dork. I was asking him really kind of <laughs> inane <laughs> questions. And he's like, hey, man, do you, wanna, uh, do you like NASA? Are you going to be here Monday? And I'm like, I love NASA. I, we are going to be here Monday. My wife had assured us we were going to take time to go there. And he was like, hey, what? I'll tell you what. Uh, if you come back and call me, I will give you two free passes from my booklet to go uh, to the Space Center. Oh, my God. Day. They're like $60 tickets. So we called this dude. Uh, he picked us up from the terminal, drove us to Cape Canaveral, like, I guess, hung out. And then we called him, like, later on that day. We threw him, like, 120 bucks, But we called him later on, and he drove us back to Orlando to the airport. It was, the, it was like, the best day ever. That's amazing. Dude, it was fantastic. Uh, thank so God we, for the government shutdown. Thank God for the government <laughs> shutdown. Agreed. <laughs> and, well, one of the things about the government shutdown that actually did kind of suck was you couldn't go to the launch pads. You could only drive past them. So, like, you could see where all the big things were, and you could see the big, uh, the big building from Armageddon, uh, the, you know, where they stand the yeah. rockets up. Uh, but you couldn't go there. So that, that the, I mean, fuck Trump every day. But, like, I mean, come on. Like, I, damn launch pads, Trump. Anyway, <laughs> everything else there was great, and I highly recommend that you go there because you will get all the feels and member berries from, like, watching the space shuttle in school and mm-hmm. when there was like the Linda Ellerby special about the international space station on Nick news or something like I, this was, it was a fun time to be a kid and be looking at space as not only were we, had we already gone to the moon, but we are setting up a space station and we're going to be in space for forever. And we're going to go and do great stuff and just watch this awesome future that we're, we're trying to build. Isn't it then, wild that like the other day, they released the first photo of a black hole and we're all kind of moved past it. <laughs> well, yeah. And then uh, last month we landed a, th- a new thing on Mars. Yep. We move it. We all move by it so quickly now. Uh, you know, that's kind of, it, it's, it's tough for news to compete. Science news to compete on the internet, you know? Sure. Of course. I, I thought it was really cool that uh, the, uh, female scientist, I don't know her name off the top of my head. It's, it makes me even worse. Uh, but I like that she got like a little bit of a buzz and a bump too. That I read her article that she like heard about this in high school and like dedicated her life to go to Na- to go to NASA and go to college so that she could learn how to do this to set up the algorithm to take the picture. Yeah, uh, that's. I mean, that's just amazing. Also, and it's, it's Dr. Really... Katie uh, Bowman or Bowman. Yes. 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 Uh, that's just, that's so awesome. <laughs> that's so amazing. Uh, and I can't wait to see the next picture. I'm sure, you know, the first picture of anything, you know, they had, it was out of focus. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, Remember how there's... crappy the first uh, picture of Earth was? Like that one where it's just uh, like a really... It's you the, can barely the pale see blue it. dot. Yeah, the pale blue dot where it's just like a. <laughs> oh, there it is. I guess. I guess that's Earth. <laughs> I hope it's. I hope it's there. You know, uh, it's cool. I'm. I'm so excited to to that. It's that black holes are like real. Like the the even the idea that like this is super nerdy, but like even the idea that we had no idea to physically prove their existence until just a few days ago. That's crazy. Uh, and, and good on her. And like, I don't know, this is one of the kids who I'm sure saw this movie, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and I hope, I think that there are a whole bunch of us who, you know, saw these, you know, kind of optimistic future stuff. I feel bad for the kids now who see so much post-apocalyptic, you know, uh, you space know, movies, uh, space, space movies, but also like all these movies that have these really, just like, uh, you know, unsatisfactory, unappealing, you know, ugly future. Like, there's something to be said about the ancient future of, of like, Star Wars. But I don't know. Like, is, will there be a, a call and response to the way that we have toned down our optimism for how we're going to, you know, make it through the next, you know, right. years or so? Well, I think, I think a lot of it boils down to just where we are technologically. Because in the 70s with 
Star Wars, we had just landed on the moon, so the possibilities seemed endless, and that's why Epcot was this, you know, this beautiful, just like, oh, in 20 years, you won't have, you can swallow a pill instead of eating a meal, which I don't know why we <laughs> wanted that, but uh, <laughs> but it's like, I we think... We went in the opposite direction. <laughs> but nowadays, you know, now that we can kind of, you know, send shit to space and do stuff in space, that now it's like, okay... This is just reality now, and knowing that we are humans and what we do usually with stuff, eh, things might not end that well. Mm. But you know yeah. what? You know what did end well? Flight of the Navigator. <laughs> oh, it's got such a happy ending, dude. It's got a happy ending, but it's got a tough question. Um, yeah, do you, you know, stay with your parents when you're this weird age-down being, or do you potentially vaporize yourself trying to travel back in time? Yeah. The age-old me, I- question. But that's like an existential thing for like, I remember being a little kid and absorbing that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, like, I don't know if a little me could have handled that kind of a question. <laughs> you know, like, well, my, what do you I, think? I what, thinking... do you, what do you think? Would you do it? Well, my, my big thought was like, okay, so would they just change his birth date? Like, would they just bump his birthday, birth year back like eight years or whatever? That was the yeah. only question that I could think of during that whole sequence. But no, I, that makes perfect sense. But at the same time, David brings up the like the great point that uh, he's just going to be tested on for the rest of his life, most likely by all these scientists. And so, like he like ceasing to exist is a scary thought. But then, if it happens to you, you don't know it. And I like that's crazy that he was twelve years old and kind of figured that out to an extent, yeah. but uh, but yeah, and the way that they set it up uh, at the end that it wasn't just a dream or something that he hit his head when he fell or whatever, and that the thing uh, what he did as consequences, including having that the cute little guy I can't think of his name, the Puck Marin. Yeah, the Puck Marin. Uh, I just, <sighs> I just wrote him as great. little thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I love the aliens, the little alien scene that they have in this movie. I love the, I love all those creatures. Uh, as a puppet Muppet, you know, enthusiast. Yep, you're talking Sora, to the right person. Uh, <laughs> how do you like the? How do you like them? What did you think? I think they're great. I'm always um, a fan of practical effects and actual props and things over um, digital things. Like even if it's the best integrated thing. There's just something about the imperfections of stuff in real life that make it just real. feel real. And, like, having, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, the actors working alongside a thing rather than a picture of a thing. Like, I, um, I was reading up on uh, the production history of Paddington 2, as one does. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. And Hugh Grant was talking about that when he was doing scenes with Paddington, he had the option of either having you know like a tennis ball on a stick or uh like paddington's head on a stick and like a little puppet head and at a certain point he was like okay this is terrifying to look at paddington's decapitated head so i'll go with the (laughs) cgi but yeah there there is something lost with it uh and like i mean we talked about this last week with um, Josh Gillespie, who runs Muppet History, that it's uh, there's something special about not even just Jim Henson's Creature Shop, but all of these different practical effects companies that just make such a difference. And j- there's always so much more heart in uh, a practical prop. Yeah, they like each of the uh, you know little alien guys. Like they all have a personality. I love the big eye. The big eye is great. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, then uh, the guy that eats the hat, he's he's fantastic, and I like that they're all on the poster. To me, that's always like, oh, this is a ride without friends. Yeah. <laughs> all of my friends that once he bites you, he will never let go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, and then that little pugman guy is is like adorable. You know, they're they're great. I I mean, it would have been cool if there was like the alien world. I think that's that's the difference. I think kids today kind of get like you can do a fully realized cgi world 
Whereas like doing Dagobah was, was pretty hard, you know, like you get ET, but you don't get the, the green planet, you know, you get these little guys, but you don't get their little worlds. Yeah. And maybe that's like, that's what spoils us. Like you don't need the whole, you know, world building of, of, you know, the little swamp that this little yucky toad or this, the snot thing is on. You know, like, maybe we just need to see the little creatures, and that'll be enough. Yeah, because I think, I mean, obviously, E.T. and uh, Flight of the Navigator, it's about, it's more so about the kids than the alien creatures that they interact with, because it's, you know, it's about growth and um, emotional evolution. And, I mean, obviously, if a movie like this would made today, which, in fact, they... They've been working on a remake for a while, so I don't really know if it's ever going to happen for Flight of the Navigator. I don't, I don't think this. I don't think it will. But we've got to continue. Yeah, but uh, um, but if a movie like this was made, I I want I'm still an optimistic person, and I'm thinking, oh, they're not going to just make it a whole CGI thing where we go see uh, uh Paul Mall's world because <laughs> I got I I got to keep going in Paul Mall even though his character's name is Max, but it's like we don't <laughs> we don't need to see that, and it's like. It's going to just add to the budget and, you know, you want some fantastical sweeping shot for the trailer. But, you know, uh, he, he being in space is enough. Just vaguely being, in space. Being in space and then that crazy, like, quantum realm thing that they go through to travel through time. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, feels feels a little bit, you know, uh, pre... It's, you know, it, it's a, like a sous-son. It's like an appetizer a aperitif for like Ooh. 2001 which i saw a little bit later <laughs> you know <laughs> and you're like oh okay that's this is really weird i'll say uh, it. i liked this more than 2001 uh, this is a great this is a significantly better experience i'll say it 2001 uh <laughs> like nice looking movie boring is all shit i <laughs> it, nothing happens it's too i remember i uh right when we first got netflix at my house that was available to watch instantly and i was just like okay that like that's the movie. It's just kind of like there's three different mildly interesting movies in this movie, but they all do not work that well together. It yeah, it's true. I I don't know. My thing about 2001 is like just aesthetically and like putting like kind of cool trippy 60s music on. Uh that is a good little escape for me. Like that's kind of my more experience with it was like the we're in high school. Let's watch this movie, man. It's pretty trippy, dude. Yeah. And like, and then you have to fucking suffer through, you know, almost two and a half, three hours of you know really intense Kubrickian, you know, <laughs> sitting dramatic frames. Some of which are really interesting and and hold up, you know, over the tunes. But then you get to the fun little trippy part at the end, and then you just have more questions. Uh, but you don't have questions at this. You know, you know what happens because you arrive safely back in 1976 with uh, your brother and your and your mother and your father and you're going to go out on this and your nice dog. boat in Fort Lauderdale and you're going to go you know have a really great little uh, barbecue up that up there okay so earlier before you said uh, fantastic and sweeping and i just want to i know we haven't done that yet sure uh, okay alan silvestri's score i i love it i i love the music in this movie i adore it it's Oh my god, I listen to it riding around in my car. I listen to it riding around on airplanes. I love it. I really do. Um, yeah, I mean, he's I one of the most prolific my... uh, composers uh, of all time. But, like, not even... Okay, yes, he totally is. And, like, just before... The year before this movie, he's doing Back to the Future. All of the great themes you love from Back to the Future. Dun, dun, dun. All that, all that... All the good ones, he just made that. And then... This is him with a synthesizer. And, like, that is amazing to me. Like, that he went from a full orchestral score to this. And this music, I think, stands on its own in a way that, like, movie music and, like, comp music today, I don't know how much you, uh, you dig into that kind of uh, trend in music that's been happening, it's movie music specifically, but that this is, like, these to me are so memorable. I, I mean, I agree. There's definitely, there's, uh, it's... Having the synthesizer, it's this really timelessness to it while also being really true to the period that the movie is obviously being uh, produced Oh, in. yeah. Um, but and, and kind of speaking on what scores are like today, I remember I watched a video a while ago where it was talking about how 
a lot of uh, movie scores are kind of just like generic, like specifically looking at the Marvel movies, how specifically, yes, you can't I saw the think same of, video. yeah, I think it was Vox maybe. And it was like, you can't th- think of the Thor theme or the Iron Man theme. No, they're a hundred percent right. And that is a huge deal. Uh, that's a huge deal to a superhero movie as a guy who does a superhero movie podcast. We spend a lot of time talking about that, that, you know, the Wonder Woman theme is so iconic and it really works for her character and in the movies. And it's important for a character, even the new Man of Steel theme, which I think is, is pretty beautiful, removed from the movie garbage that it later it, it was inhabited around. Uh, <laughs> like it's those are it's iconic music. And like to me, that really does matter. And I really want to see a score that pays attention to this. I think the only Marvel movie that kind of does is Guardians of the Galaxy. They really pay attention to the score theming for Guardians and the uh, and the music that they put inside that movie. Whereas I think when you watch Captain Marvel, I can't think of what her song was at all. Right, and and it's also obviously music is such a specific big part of Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's also a lot of movies now... And not necessarily to their fault, but it's more of a mixtape or a playlist than, you know, a, a specific orchestral piece or specific songs created for the movie to coincide with what's going on. Well, that's why I think they uh, they had that big, um, I don't know if you remember from last year, but they had that big push with the Chevy commercial and Alan Silvestri doing the Avengers theme. And I think that they kind of tried to course correct and say like, okay, this is the theme that we had with Sylvester. We have to, we have to do it now because you've all told us we need this. And I think that they've kind of done that in kind of a cool way. And I appreciate that they kind of shifted there. And I hope that more movies like coming down the line will also have really fun themes. I think that the, we just saw Shazam. uh, And, and I think that that like, it had like a little bit of a, a thing to it. I can't sing it now, which Maybe proves the point, but uh-huh. it, it, the, the music, the music was, you know, it was, it was okay. It was pretty fun. Yeah. I definitely need to still see, uh, Shazam. Cause also, uh, I'm in Philly. You're, you're right outside the city and, uh, I'm very curious the really fake bad Philadelphia that they have. Cause I know that there's oh. some shots that are pretty close, but then also the subway, uh, if you live in the Philadelphia area, the subway here has a very specific look to it and it's clear that they... Uh, just used whatever like New York or San Francisco <laughs> Bart set that they had and just put the word SEPTA on it. <sighs> That's so frustrating. <laughs> you know what? Any, oh, any exposure our city can get is great. Like, we don't have to just be the Shyamalan town. No, oh, but that's such a cool thing that you have, though. It you is. are the Shyamalan verse. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's how I explain any bad thing that happens to me while I live here. I'm like, ah, it's just uh, Mr. Glass <laughs> up to no good again, uh, murder, uh. murdering people outside of the the baseball uh, uh, arena. <laughs> oh my God! It, but it would be. I want to see like the. I thought this was good. I thought Glass could have been more like the Shyamalan Avengers. Like I kind of wanted to see, you know, Mark Wahlberg pop in and Joaquin, uh, no, dead Joaquin Phoenix from the Village show up. But and... a live Joaquin Phoenix from Signs. <laughs> exactly. I want him to exactly. interact with himself and be like, "What are you doing here, <laughs> <laughs> dude?" I, I, oh man, the Philly that they portray in Shazam. It's good. I'm not from Philly. I've only hung out in your city sometimes, but I've only ever felt tremendous uh, love and appreciation and good times there. So why thank you? I, the kind of grit, the grittiness that that they kind of capture. Did someone say didn't... gritty? It it really. Oh my god! It looks. It's Philadelphia is pretty gray in this movie, man. For a city with a lot of big blue buildings, it's pretty gray. <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, yeah, so back to, back to Flight of the Navigator. Um, yeah. Uh, favorite line, I think, of the entire movie, because I wrote it down immediately, is David is turning on the TV at the, in the NASA, uh, in his NASA room, and he says, how come Sturtsky and Hutch isn't on? Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's, it was his favorite show. He was 12. He loved yeah. the General Lee. And, and then, that was that was his jam. And also then Sarah Jessica Parker, who we just uh, we haven't mentioned yet, is in it. Um, uh, she does. She's like just the classic um, '80s um, just female character. Just like 
Yeah, what are you talking about? That's an old show. It's not on anymore. <laughs> just kind of like I, I she's, loved her. she's like trying not to show that she's being tickled or something. <laughs> like that's the voice that she's doing. <laughs> that's great. Yes, that's exactly it. And she has the little purple, you know, thingy in her hair. I went to a Twisted she... Sister concert last night. Who is she? Ugh. It's a he. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's a them. Oh, oh my god. Yeah, I mean. But Twisted Sister is, I mean, that was, that's kind of a crazy reference. Uh, I'm definitely that... more of a Bee Gees fan. <laughs> oh, my God. Barry Gibbs Hawkshaw. All right. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Uh, but the cool thing about Sarah Jessica Parker in this movie is, like, she doesn't remember it. And people have, like, gone up and, like, tried to be, like, hey, do you remember this movie? And oh, yeah, I was like, going to mention paid. that. She was like, I was in the eight. This was the eighties. I was just look. I was getting any role that I could uh, take. <laughs> Dude, that was that's like it's such a true statement. Like here I am, like us nerds. Like that's kind of the problem with like my nerdy culture that I we embrace. Like we think these people care. Like it, it was so perfectly embodied in uh, Wreck It Ralph two, where uh, Jason Manzukis's cameo is asking Groot about Idrisil from <laughs> Captain America: The First Avenger. Uh, like. It's that's so us. Like, hey, do you do you remember this movie we we all really 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 liked? Yeah. No. Well, like Harrison Ford oh. and William Shatner famously like do not give a shit and don't know anything about like Star Trek and Star Wars respectively. They're like, yeah, I mean, I was in it. I had fun. I think. <laughs> I I can appreciate that. Like, I think Harrison Ford, like at least for the cameras over the past few years, looked more appreciative and wore more warmer towards the fans and the community yeah i mean because like, i mean once you kind of realize how much impact something you did had on people even if you hated it or didn't really give a crap like no i love that he like we all let, let let's not let's be real like in the post prequel pre disney era like it was totally cool and hilarious for harrison ford to shit on star wars yeah like it was it was kind of his a given thing because here is Indiana Jones, here is the president, here is, you know, also Han Solo, but I don't think he thinks of himself as Han Solo, only we think of him as Han Solo. And, you know, I think it took him, and I, I, I hate to be like this kind of crazy and conspiratorial, I think it took him getting hurt on the set of Force Awakens and getting in that plane accident and the love that kind of came for him and the surprise and kind of the responsibility of, these, of this character, Han Solo specifically, that and the way that the movies were reemerging, the way that he was featured so prominently in Force Awakens, that he kind of came around to it, and at least for the cameras, had a, a good mug and was respectful and 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 warm to us in a way that he had never been before. And I'm really thankful of that. And I hope that you know he like in a way that like Mark Hamill has had to kind of carry the torch of this movie for so long, especially how he did on last Jedi. Yeah. Uh, like looking at like Harrison Ford, like I still have these like beautiful thoughts for him and I'm happy that he got to, you know, I'm happy what happened in force awakens happened and I'm happy he went out in the way that he did. And he's not this like bitter, angry guy about it presently right now. That would be bad. Yeah. He got <laughs> to come back, do his little thing and then go out peace on a good night. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, okay. I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, My favorite line from this movie yes. is when he is when the big dude is like, "I thought he just wanted a phone home." <laughs> uh, to me, that was like that's the perfect kind of crossover winking that I love in movies. I don't know if you'd spend time looking at what the kids were wearing in that minivan when they jumped out and they had all the like the vintage '80s Epcot swag. Yes, I did. Of course, <sighs> I did. <laughs> Epcot is the best park uh, because uh, the, it's, it's the most educational. Wants, 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 wants. Oh my god! Uh, I was actually yes. talking to my mom yesterday on the phone because we were saying, "Oh, I would love to do a Disney vacation." We haven't done that as a family since uh, 1999, uh, which we actually do have some. Uh, we I think we have one or two of like the millennial uh, Millennium pins, like the 2000s, and they're very awesome. Cool. But uh. But we were talking about that, and I said, my non-negotiable is we have to go to Epcot and go on Test Track. It's my favorite ride. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to learn about energy efficiency with cars. Yeah, and they've... Oh, man. Okay, so uh, speaking of Epcot, I was recently there in July, 
and I had been there only a few months ago where I like dragged my wife for during food and wine tour day after oh, nice. a trade show I was attending on like deep discounted tickets and we like ran around. But then I went back over the summer and I was at another trade show and we had the same discount ticket offer. And we went in, it was me, my mom, my dad, and like a coworker. I work for my mom. Uh, she's my supervisor and, uh, you know, my dad is my dad. And obviously I've, we've been <laughs> going to Disney for, you know, 25 plus years. Sure. And then we just brought on this like random 60 year old coworker guy named Alan Berthay. I love Alan. Uh, Shout out to Alan, weird. everybody. <laughs> I felt a little bad because it was like, here's my family like reminiscing and really having, you know, like a moment on, you know, Spaceship Earth. And here's Alan Berthay in the car with me. <laughs> and he's like, so uh, where, where's like a good place to get uh, roast chicken? <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't know, Mr. Berthay. Uh, come on, let, let's go. We're going to go on some more rides now. And like my family is reminiscing about how. My dad, I don't know if your dad did this or, or your parents did this, but my dad did this thing where every time we went to like an amusement park and we went on a ride, after the first ride, he'd be like, okay, that was a $100 ride. And then we'd have to go. And like the deal was you'd have to get like the price down below like $10. Like that was always kind of like the rule. And it, that, so we were like telling all like this weird like family shit to this guy and he's like, like, just absorbing it. And then it gets really dark. A lot of, like, really weird and profound stuff happened to me at Disney World. Specifically this one, which you're just... I'm just going to tell you. Yeah. Uh, so I was 17. My family didn't always go to Disney World. We didn't always have the money that way. Would we, but, but if we went to Florida, we would usually stop at Downtown Disney. Because <laughs> my parents were like, it's free. It's pretty much the same thing. Like, <laughs> you go to Legoland. Who cares? We can walk uh, outside of Disney Quest. Yeah, we'll be, you know, we'll be like, can we do Disney Quest? And they'll be like, no, it's like, it's not really what you want to do. Maybe we'll go to an amusement park. And we'll be like, are we going to go to an amusement park? They're like, probably, maybe, we'll see. And then, no. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're driving in there. I'm 17. And at this point in my life, I really wanted to be a rabbi. I really was, like, heavily considering that for a long time. That's what I kind of went to college for at one point. Hell yeah. And, and, yeah. And when I was, you know, out there, I was talking with my parents. And I was, like, you know, kind of being a little bit... Uh, you know, jovial and weird trying to be funny like I am now. And I was like, hey, mom, like, you know, uh, they were talking about one of my little brother's bris, you know, their uh, thing. And he's like, oh, I was like, what was my bris like? You know, was anybody there? And my parents were like, um, uh, you know, you actually didn't have a bris. And I was confused because that, that didn't seem to be the case to me <laughs> and, uh, anatomically or, you know, historically at all. And they were like, uh, yeah, you didn't have one. You know, I was, you know, after we had, yeah, I gave birth to you, my mom said, you know, you were, uh, you know, uh, I was bleeding, so we couldn't do it. And we had it at the hospital. And like, this to me was like, kind of like earth shattering at the time. <laughs> I was like, oh man. So like, you know, my mom is, is Irish Catholic and my dad's Jewish. So like at a certain point, like I was always trying to, you know, feel like a man without a country and, uh, you know, this was like, oh, man, like, I'm not even, like, certified in the faith, you know, with a bris. And, like, it really, like, shook me down. And, like, I remember my parents, like, we're all, like, walking around. They got me a turkey leg. And, like, we drove back <laughs> Everything's to New okay York. Everything's okay now. Yeah, we, they drove me back to New York, you know. So, I, I, I don't know. To, <laughs> growing up was weird. And especially, like, going to Disney. So, going as an adult now, it's way more fun because now you can drink. And I'm telling yes. you, you're going to love that part of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited uh, for that. Because uh, I remember I went to uh, Epcot with some uh, like high school friends because we were there on a, a, a field trip, essentially. And uh, I booked us all uh, a table at the uh, Epcot uh, Japan restaurant. And I was really excited. And then my friend and I, we got kind of like, you know, like different dishes, like a like a sushi or sashimi type thing. And then my two friends got like, like chicken teriyaki, the most bland thing. And I was Ugh. like, no, this is the <laughs> magic here. This is the real, this is it. We're here right now. We are here Sushi in time. Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you see? Don't you see where we are? The production value, the care. I also can't believe that, we, do, that we, just, we just breezed past your uh, circumcision story at Disney World. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I had to get that out there. I'm yeah. sorry. Now it's, now it's in uh, the world. If, if you have a story about your circumcision, uh, tweet at us with the hashtag uh, <laughs> circumvent. I don't know. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I'm sorry. That was maybe a little too deep. That's <laughs> you fine. can edit that out if you want. Nah, uh, I'll leave it in. It's it's, a, it's an important <laughs> that, story. And I mean, I, now that we have that hashtag going. Uh, <laughs> no, it's too late now. I agree with you. Um, yeah, I don't know. I love this movie. It makes me nostalgic for a chromed up 80s future with tons of LED electronics bink, blinking and beeping. And, you know, that to me just, it felt real. You know, it felt like something I could be a part of. Totally. And, uh I don't know. I, I loved it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I want to see more movies kind of like this made for kids. I think it's kind of hard. I think that so many movies now we're, we're asking kind of questions that like big adults are like trying to also, uh, thinking a lot about like a wrinkle in time. Like I think that this movie and like a wrinkle in time are kind of interesting to kind of look at together in a way and that they're both an adventure that involve, you know, intergalactic, and intergalactic travel, time travel, different realities. But I think that like throughout A Wrinkle in Time, you're constantly being told about what the experience of the character is going through. Whereas like this movie, like it like you're given the exposition dump in the middle of how he's traveled and what Phalon is and where he's from and how he can communicate with the ship. But then it just lets you like just kind of have fun and enjoy it. Sure. Yeah, like we don't uh, need to learn. We can uh, um let our realism just kind of fade away for a little bit and just enjoy a movie we don't have to have every little thing explained to us and we can and you can appreciate like what a kid wants to do like you i wanted to fly around in a spaceship listening to the beach boys right huge that was like that was a wild scene he's like now uh, this is music and i'm like oh how old are you (laughs) no but but okay so like that song was like kind of like cool because it was, it's a timeless, you know what I mean? Like, had they picked, you know, something more, like, had they picked a Bee Gees song, like, first of all, can you pick an upbeat Bee Gees song for a kid's movie like this? Staying Alive <laughs> would know? have been a little bit too on the nose. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, that would have been, you know, an interesting choice, but, like, to go with kind of, like, something like this and, like, pick it up off the radio. Like, they, they played with the radio in this thing. Like, I remember listening to the radio. I remember my little uh, AM, FM a tape recorder thing yeah, that I had yeah. and, and you and you could listen to you know different stuff and 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 you'd get exposed to it and like even this little kid from the 70s knew the beach boys were still good um, I mean it's real music I, it's, <laughs> <laughs> and then he turns on the little turbo thing and they're flying around and uh that's where this movie blew all the budget was on the CGI movies and then the production company went bankrupt and then they didn't you know they had to sell it to Disney and like, this movie was released by Disney in the U.S., but it's released by Warners in Australia. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> like, so, like, it's, it, I don't know. Like, they really, I think they spent the money in the right places. And, like, I don't know. It's kind of this weird little, it's this weird little treasure jewel of a movie. And I, I don't know. I hope that they remake it, man. There was, like, a whole bunch of tries you saw, right? Yeah, so, like, from uh, 2009 to as recently as 2017, there there have been random news about someone writing the script or rewriting the script. And, uh, yeah, so as of 2017, um, Lionsgate and the Jim Henson Company said that they're, they are in pre-production for uh, a Flight of the Navigator reboot. Oh, my God, yes. So it's possible. Um, I, you know what's weird? I was really if if I had my druthers, uh, I would I wouldn't do a reboot. I would do a sequel. Uh, I would get that guy out of jail <laughs> for trying to rob the bank. And Joey Kramer was arrested recently in Canada for trying to rob a bank. I don't know why he did that. You leave that up to your own decisions. But uh, I would have brought him back, and I would have I would have brought Max back. I would have done it as a straight sequel. Uh, I think that rebooting it is maybe. Um, I don't know. Like, are, are we going to have to reboot it and make it like a greedy kids film now? Like, is it going to ha- like, I don't know. Like, I think rebooting it is maybe, um, I don't know. I wouldn't, I want, I don't want to reboot it. I want a sequel. I want to see the next step. I want to see what happened to, you know, the kid as he grew older, like what happened when he got to 1986, did he meet Sarah Jessica Parker? Like they could be married you know <laughs> like uh you know in the mo- in like the, the sequel movie and they have a kid and then max comes back for whatever reason i don't know that's that's my hot takes on how how you would redo that movie now <laughs> well, i mean we'll see if that actually happens uh maybe we'll in see. 17 we'll years when they uh, complete pre-production <laughs> 
so oh, so let's uh before we go let's uh obviously it's time to rate so as always we rate everything here on a scale from zero to five you can be as minute and specific uh with your decimals and whatever as you see fit you can base your score on whatever you'd like so aj uh what would you uh rate this movie i'm gonna give it a 4.89 uh, which is my uber rating but ultimately this movie <laughs> is plug. like a subtle plug uh you know this is a this movie to me has so little imperfection it, it really is a perfect little piece and jewel in and of itself and i think that so, you know, the movies that we watch now are, are different, and I think that this movie is kind of like a little time capsule of uh, a period in America and a period in, you know, kids' films where you could do really interesting things. You could curse. You could say shit twice. You could... You could say the uh, R word. That was weird. You could say the R word. That was really... It's in the beginning of the movie by the little kid. Yeah, I uh, I, I was in my room alone, and I went, whoa. <laughs> it's It it comes on pretty hard. Uh, dude, then, you know... All the fun electronics, all the toys. I want. I I lived this movie, so I, I this movie is very near and dear to my heart. I recognize it has some, you know, significant plot holes and uh, you know questionable uh, themings and things that doesn't necessarily hold up anymore. But to me, this is is pretty close to perfect as you can get. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I think I'll I'll be going a little bit lower, but still definitely on the higher end. I'm giving this. Uh, a 3.86 cuz uh he landed in 1986 um, <laughs> cuz i mean this is i was definitely surprised at how much i enjoyed this and how much it held my attention cuz usually uh, like a lot of these movies that i end up reviewing for the podcast are pretty middle of the line so it's kind of hard to really get excited uh about this sure uh but yeah i had, i had a good time i think i was surprised at the depth that the movie had i i definitely wasn't expecting that uh but yeah so crunching the numbers uh we are giving uh i forgot the name of the movie flight of the navigator uh, a 4.375 which puts it right above moana and right below who framed roger rabbit Ooh, that's a nice little. That's pretty good. Yeah, honestly, that's that's a. I love when that, that seems right to me. I love when the writing system actually works out because once in a while it'll be like, wait, what? What the fuck are you talking about? That's an insane <laughs> ranking. Uh, <laughs> no, the, but that's like that. Oh, I I love Roger Rabbit. Who did you do the Roger Rabbit podcast with? Uh, we did that with the host of uh, um, Full Belly Laughs, Brian Durkin. Oh my god! I can't wait to listen to that one. Yeah, that was a that was a fun one. Uh, that's a fun secret one where I didn't have time to watch the full movie, so I just watched all the clips on YouTube. That's a little industry secret for all of you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but AJ, thank you thank you so much for uh, taking time uh, to uh, come on the podcast today. Oh my god! It was a, such a joy, and uh, you know I really appreciate uh, you having me on. Uh, this is one of my, you know, favorite pieces of uh, nerdy Disney culture to geek out about, and I'm so glad that I had a space to do it with you here, buddy. Yeah, great. Um, uh, so, uh, what would you like to plug today? So, uh, how about tell us about uh, your podcast? Sure. So, uh, my podcast is called Long Lost Heroes Podcast. I started it um, uh, with my best buddy uh, Frank Marsilio back in uh, early 2017. Uh, Pretty much, it got started out of another podcast that I was trying to do, and we had done, you know, a couple of like pre-recorded episodes to kind of get a concept down, and ended up falling apart. But my buddy Frank was living away in D.C., and he, you know, kind of called me up, and he was like, you know, I really miss doing the podcast. It was so fun. Like, I would really love to do that. And we live in a really awesome time where you can just make a thing. That's and true. I work. I work from home, and I travel a lot for work. I travel about every other week I'm on the road to a different uh, place um, doing something and I needed a hobby and something to tinker with that I can kind of play with and hang around with that I can do remotely and podcasting really seemed like a good fit for us to do that Um, and it's been really great we consider it like kind of the extended conversation you know everyone you know that everyone you know is familiar with having in the car on the way home from the movie Uh, we don't really try to rate uh, the movies that we do because they're so new and we don't know how they're going to fit or sure. what they're going to be like on a rewatch. We just kind of, you know, discuss them, break them down, see where they fit in, talk about, you know, all the spoilery fun stuff that we all want to dig into and discuss from a recent movie. So we just did Shazam. Before that, we did Us. And we actually uh, we're going to dip into 
uh, some TV content. Um, we're both really big Game of Thrones fans, and we're going to really try very hard to cover every episode of uh, Season 8 and get it out really timely so that uh, our conversation can be heard. Um, and yeah, we are at longlostheroes.net. Uh, you can email us, info at longlostheroespodcast.net. Uh, longlostheroes.net, we're not, uh, not the podcast. And then you can find us at uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and Facebook at LLH Podcast. That's how, uh, at LLH Podcast. That's us. Fantastic. And uh, you can find Kitflix uh, at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at KitflixPod, and send us an email at kitflixpod at gmail.com. And uh, so this is episode 99, so stay tuned. <gasps> yeah, so next week uh, is uh, a relatively special episode. I have um, two uh, very special guests, uh, and I have uh, an interesting announcement to make next week. So uh, definitely stay tuned for that. But uh, that is all for today. We will hear you next week, and go, go, Gadget, end show.